The Junks are presented by Crop Metcalf, the official heating and cooling company of the Junkies. Don't forget, later this hour, Joe Beninati will join us. We'll talk Caps Devils with him. Caps trying to get that last wild card spot. But right now, we're joined on the BetQL guest hotline by Barry Verluga, Washington Post sports columnist. Barry, good morning to you. I hope you guys are doing well. Barry. We are doing well. How was your Prez Day weekend? A little skiing, a uh, little sports watching, um, pretty good all in all. How about you guys? It was yeah, solid. No, didn't do either of those what, things. Wasn't so. shushing Not, down the slopes like one berries Verluga. Yeah. Whitetail. Uh, my daughter's on the ski team up there, so Ooh. a lot of time on 270 over the winter months. Oh, cool. Very, are you uh, are you like a thrill-seeker skier, or are you more like a beginner-intermediate-slope guy? I'm a... Uh, Lifelong skier, non-thrill seeker, ski like I'm in my 50s and I'm a ski dad guy. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. smart. Makes sense. Right. Very S- good. Save those knees and legs and mm-hmm. back and head. Hey, uh, exactly. <laughs> we were talking about the Nats earlier in the show. Um, we got a lot of stuff we, we want to get into, but we were talking about the Nats. And obviously, um, Mark Lerner said they are this team is not for sale anymore. He obviously didn't get what he wanted. He didn't get what offer he wanted. Now, that could change over the next couple of years. But we threw it out to, to fans, and most fans are unhappy about it because they know that the learners currently aren't going to go out there and spend the money that you know the Philadelphia Phillies are going to spend, that the Mets are going to spend, that the Braves are going to spend, and become better. They're kind of relying on all of these prospects. So we, I think we... What was the poll we threw out there? 85%? Good or, news or bad news? I think it's right around 86% say bad news. Yeah, but there still are about 15% that said it's, say it's good news. Now, I'm guessing a lot of that is because just loyalty based on bringing a world uh, championship here. But um, your thoughts on Lerner saying that it's off the market? Well, I mean, it all is about what do they do now? I mean, do they continue to run it like the Pittsburgh Pirates? Or do they do what they did when they won a championship and, and spend $210 million on Max Scherzer and go buy Jason Worth and, and build, you know, have your young core that at the time was Ryan Zimmerman and Ian Desmond and Steven Strasburg and Jordan Zimmerman, um, you know, and then build pieces around it. If they do that, then there's no reason it has to be bad news. The, the reason that there's uncertainty about that is because, um, you know, our beat writer asked Mark Lerner yesterday in West Palm what the deal was, but he was not allowed to, to answer follow or ask follow-ups like, you know, how, what's your commitment um, to payroll at the major league level? What's your commitment to um, spending on player development, um, spending on international uh, signings? So I think it's a giant TBD. I do think it takes them out of the limbo that going into another season with the for sale sign presumably up would have would have been like now the pressure is on the learners we know who the target is in terms of um asking them what their commitment will be and and you know forcing them into action not this offseason because the core isn't ready yet but i do think next offseason if their biggest signing is joey gallo um there are going to be really some some questions about what their hope and, and the desires for this franchise really is. You know, that's a good point. I mean, what if they, you know, Rizzo went to him and said, look, these core kids, you know, we're going to give them one more year in the minors, and then 
they're going to be ready to be on the opening day roster next year. And then Mark says, okay, I'll go out and buy a couple players to, um, to, to throw into that lineup or a pitcher or whatever. I mean, that's a possibility. Who knows? It's totally a possibility. And I, I know for a fact that most of the people in the um, baseball operations department didn't believe that this year was the year to go spend, that you would have been, um, you know, there's really not uh, a point in improving from 71 to 75 wins. You're going to get the Corbin contract off the books after this year. You're a year closer to getting the Strasburg contract off the books. You should have plenty of financial flexibility. And I'm, I'm all about criticizing the learners. I have no problem doing that. But you have to remember that um, when they did have that run from 2012 to 2019, when they won four division titles, made a wild card, and won a World Series, um, there's more years in there than not that they were top ten in payroll. So um, they skimp on a lot of things. But when the time was right, they were convinced that um, spending money on players and, and free agents, including Worth and Scherzer, but also smaller deals like Daniel Murphy and and the guys that eventually won the championship, Howie Kendrick and people like that. So um, I don't think we know exactly what this means. I think we know now who we look to to put you know blame or praise on because they're saying they're not selling it anymore. I will say that there are some pretty big-name unsigned guys right now, like the Blake Snells of the world, Matt Chapman. Um, and I'm not Cody s- Bellinger. Cody Bellinger. I mean, if you went out and got Blake Snell, I understand that the learners don't want to spend a bunch of money on him. I don't even know what his price tag would be. Probably similar to what you know Sonny Gray's was, but so seventy-five to hundred million. But that would be pretty nice if you go went out, spent the money on a, a, a proven guy, all right, and put him with JoJo Gray and Mackenzie Gore. Now, obviously, he's not going to be going to the playoffs this year. But next year, when some of those prospects come up. Man, now you've got three really good pitchers, to, um, plus what you got coming up. You know the Kate Cavalli's. I think you know. I'm, I know they're not going to do it, but there's still some guys out there that you can pluck probably for cheap because they're unsigned, and you know they obviously they're asking for too much. But maybe you can negotiate. That's that's the question. I think is if, if you can get a, a deal there. Yeah. Sure, absolutely, and and I think Jason, you would want. Um, the term, the length of, of the deal to at least be into, it doesn't have to be seven years. In fact, it shouldn't be seven years. Um, uh-huh. But, it, but it would, you would want it to be a bridge um, to the years when you're going to be competitive, whether that's 2025 or maybe 2026, because this, this team does need some sort of North star in the clubhouse, which I think is lacking right now. Patrick Corbin is obviously the longest tenured player and, um, you know, in a way most accomplished, but he's, he doesn't have the personality and he hasn't had the performance to be an absolute tone setter. And, you know, this is how we do things. This is how we work. That was one of the reasons that Worth was brought in um, to be a veteran presence uh, from a team that had won a championship. Like that, I think, kind of matters because um, the guys who are the core of the rebuild that have already been in the clubhouse now – in Cabert Ruiz and Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore, um, they are saying that Ruiz is is that guy, that leader guy, the tone setter. I'm not 100% sure I'm all in on that. I don't think he's found himself enough um, to to be that guy yet. 
So they're going to need people like that. And if you could get somebody on the cheap, like you say, um, I wouldn't have a problem uh, with it at all if it's a three or four year deal and it's a guy who's going to carry you into that those years that you're going to be competitive. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't give him seven years, 175 million like the like the um, like Aaron Nola got. But man, if you could get it four years for 80 million or 90 million, I, I think it'd be a good it would be a good uh, investment. But that's just, that's just me. Barry, what's the uh, what's the latest, if anything, on the Strasburg standoff? I guess we'll call it. He hasn't retired. He's still on the books, obviously. I know the team wanted him to be present for spring training. It doesn't sound like he wants to do that. Like, is there any movement there? Is there any news there on Strasburg? You know, if there is, I don't have it, Cakes. I mean, um, I'll, I'm going down there uh, late this week for uh, five days or so, um, and obviously we'll be asking about it. It really, I mean, it stuck uh, struck out. I'm sorry, stuck out to me that Mike Rizzo in his, you know, camp opening remarks to reporters said, you know, we expect to see Steven um, later in spring training. I don't know if that's been communicated by Strasburg to the Nets that, yeah, I'll come down there and help with pitchers for a little bit and at least be around and be a sounding board. He was, I mean, very quietly, um, you know, in his later years, I've saw him many times talking in the clubhouse to, to younger pitchers. Um, he was there to take questions. He's not an assertive guy, as we know. He's not outgoing in any way. In fact, he's quite the opposite. So I can see why they would think um, there's value in that. And I also would note that that expectation um, or that onus that they want to put on Strasburg to, to go down to, to spring training is really – more about Mark Lerner and and Scott Boris, the agent, having a, a beef about all of this stuff um, that they couldn't get a retirement um, kind of ceremony scheduled. I, I still don't quite have all the details on why that collapsed um, and whether it had anything to do with Major League Baseball not wanting to retire a player who still was on an existing contract. But it's certainly worth po- poking around, but only in kind of a curiosity way because there's you know any questions about is this guy going to pitch again he's not going to pitch again like he his body is broken um he needs to go about trying to have it so he can have a good life not throw a fastball at 97 um you know on the on the paint yeah talking to barry's verluga columnist for the washington post now i know you didn't contribute to this article but the washington post had a lengthy feature article about ted leonsis D.C., Alexandria, Yunkin, Bowser. One of the things that jumps out is, according to Leonsis, I guess, I guess it's according to Leonsis, could be also from Bowser, he claims he would have accepted D.C.'s offer had it come to him earlier. How much do you buy that? Is that just spin? Because in the article it says, you know, there were emails back and forth, and eventually Bowser says, all right, we'll give you $500 million out of the $800 million needed to renovate uh, and, and redo everything in the arena. And But he had already set up the meeting with Yunkin or the conference. Well, I mean, he had already said that was on – I might have my days of the week slightly mixed up, but I believe those last emails were on a Sunday night, and the press conference to announce the, the move – um, to Virginia was on Wednesday. Like Correct. that was very, very, very late in the game. And I will say, and I'm not on Ted's side in, in any of this. Um, I, you know, very badly want the, the teams to stay downtown for reasons I'm sure we've discussed before, but it, it, Bowser looks late to the game and not only mm-hmm. looks late to it. She was late to it. Um, I had been told 
months ago by people in this district government who were concerned that her obsession with having her legacy be the mayor that brought football back to the district was in danger of um, not paying enough attention to what was needed at Capital One Arena for, for Ted's teams. And it was almost natural that his um, eye would wander. And now I think the problem is, so I can believe that he would have taken that deal six months ago, eight months ago. Um, but I think the district was at asleep at the wheel in, mm-hmm. in not knowing. I mean, I knew they were talking to, to Virginia and they had to, you know, they're having um, renderings of this arena and this complex being drawn up. Like that didn't happen in two days. Like they did not have their ear to the ground on this. And I, I wholly believe it could have been um, prevented if they had more aggressively talk to Ted about what are your needs? How can we, how can we help? Um, and, and maybe the ship has sailed now. So is it your, in your gut, do you think it's going to happen? You know, I don't, I just don't think I can pull the trigger either way. I think right. that I think now Ted wants it to happen because he sees it as an economic opportunity for him and he doesn't see it as, I'm going to be remembered for abandoning the district. He's really intrigued by the uh, the opportunity to build something from scratch um, rather than making the best out of what he can downtown in the district where he doesn't have as much land. I, I believe all of that. But I also I don't know enough about Virginia politics to know, is the state legislature um, going to buy into um, a, a, an economic development plan that doesn't affect, you know, southwestern Virginia or the Tidewater that really has an impact in a very small area and, and put public money toward that. I, I mean, until the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, I got to believe that's in question. And keep in mind, you know, Ted hasn't signed anything binding that he's going there. So I, I continue to think we're more at the beginning of this process than we are at the end. Hey, Barry, one quick uh question about a former national those quotes from anthony rendon were some eye openers did you know that he was this surly when he was with yeah. the nationals did he like did we see this with him and what was we just your experience like, overlooked with him? It because his numbers were were really good and then they've you know they've fallen off obviously with the injuries and what's happened out in la yeah i heard you guys talking about it and uh, yeah it was definitely um an issue here he would you know if he, he knew that if he hit two bombs in a game or, or whatever, made the big play, he was going to have to talk to us after the game. And he made a habit of like putting a chair up in front of his locker with the back <laughs> to the reporters to like create a little ring as if we were going to like crowd his space, which is like, you know, everybody's professional. So that was like a thing he would do. He would also, he would talk at spring training when he got there. And then I remember one time he closed the, se- the session said, all right, talk to you guys on um, April second whenever opening day was it's like Uh i tried to break through that barrier um a lot and he's just not here for it now i will also say it doesn't mean he's a bad person to the core he contributed and was the point player um for the nationals youth baseball academy for a lot of his years here i know he gave money there um that he didn't want you know public public credit for um, he spent a lot of time out there, so I think there's there's good in there, but there's also just unnecessary, unnecessary surliness. Um, 
so, you know, couple that with unavailability and poor performance. And I think you get kind of the worst case scenario for him out, out in LA right now. Yep. Yeah. Deadly cocktail right now for Anthony Rendon. Barry, thanks for the time, man. We always appreciate it. Appreciate it guys. Have a great week. Yep, that's Barry's Verluga, Washington post sports columnist. Don't forget coming up at nine 40, we'll talk Washington capitals with our pal, Joe Beninati right here on the fan.